Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. I'm the attempted host, Mike A-Race, with our experts, Jacob Myers, our crew beat writer, and, and the striker, Kyle Robertson. Per usual, at the controls is the podfather. Podfather, how are you? Uh, did you mute him, Jacob? No, no, no. I muted myself because I don't oh, need no. to talk, but I'm doing well. Well, he knows his game. Gentlemen, we got a lot We got a lot to talk about today. Let's get right into it. The crew is on a 0-3-1 jag, and uh, they've been outscored 9-5. Two gruesome losses, uh, one against Montreal at home. That was last week. And then uh, a game canceled due to uh, cases of COVID, a couple cases among the team staff. There were also a report out there that one player had coronavirus. We'll, we'll ask Jacob what he knows about that. If anything, that might be a, a bad dish. But uh, they're coming off of, the crew are coming off. Um, Kyle, what I have to think is one of, the, one of the most brutal losses I've seen in some time. We'll ask you for your perspective on that. That was a uh, two-to-one loss uh, uh, in Cincinnati in a rivalry game. I guess let's start with that, folks. Jacob, you were subjected to that probably more than than we had to be. So give us your thoughts on the on the game in Cincinnati. I, of course, weighed in in a column today. Jacob had a gamer and a follow-up story. So check out Dispatch.com. Jacob, two-to-one loss at Nippert Stadium on Wednesday. I think you can unequivocally say that it's the most embarrassing result they've had in, in Porter's two years here. Of course, there were a lot of bad moments last year with the one thirteen and one record over fifteen games, but you know he, he has a year to build that roster in, in his likeness, and certainly they were, as you stated in your column, Mike, picked as kind of the favorites through thirteen games to win the supporter shield, and they were five points up in first place in, in MLS, and, and now they're six points back of that spot in, in such a quick amount of time. Obviously the injuries play a factor, but as you stated and, and Caleb Porter stated afterward that they know they have guys to get results. They just haven't right now. I was very surprised that the team was just completely flat. They had a week between their last game, obviously their game Sunday against Orlando city was postponed and it hasn't yet been rescheduled, but they had time, albeit just one, full training session because of the cases. They had two days of no training. I don't think you can describe it in any other way of just spiritless and and flat and just totally lacking what you would expect from a team playing the second worst team in MLS based on the standings and, and needing a win to stay level with teams like Philadelphia and Toronto who are really peaking at the moment. Kyle, your thoughts on the game at Cincinnati? Tactically speaking, where was the midfield? I know this uh, this team is going to miss their central midfielder, Darlington Nagby. We'll ask Jacob how his injury is uh, in a minute. And obviously they, they miss uh, their highest paid player, Lucas Zellerion. They're attacking mid. Um, those are spots. Those are difficult players to replace. That said, you know, this team was touted as uh, – too deep, as they say in the football business, TWO deep and, and capable of, of withstanding holes in the lineup, injuries, players on the shelf. And to a certain point, they've certainly done that. But of late, and uh, Wednesday was a classic example, they were a mess in the middle. I, I mean, um, against a team that generally packs it in and then came out and, and countered against them. What were your thoughts on, on the way the game went? Yeah, I mean, it was a utter disaster on all fronts, I think. I mean, I think during the broadcast, they said they were missing six starters. And was it the goalkeeper or was like the third string goalie who was they had the, They had to sign a kid to sit on the bench for <laughs> yeah. the academy for, uh, to back up the goalie. Yeah, I mean, it just 
I think what's happening a lot is they're, they're, they're trying to play fast through the wings and down and cross it into Zardes. But the, the cross is just, they're not there. The quality is not there. They're late. They're not getting there, you know, especially in the second half when they were really trying to push it. You know, they were they were attacking, they were getting down the flanks, but they were going so fast and trying to get that first touch cross in, which it seems to me like they can't can't ever connect on those first touch crosses uh, into into the box and into Zardes. So, I mean, they're just having trouble getting him the ball in the ways that we saw early on in the season where he was scoring goals um, at ease. I would disagree they were moving too quick. I would say they were way too slow because they played Boateng and Diaz to start on the wing. So clearly they wanted to get in behind because of Cincinnati's change in formation. And, and certainly they like to press. I think you had some space to do that at the back, but I, I would agree with Caleb Porter's assessment after the game where he said that they had times where they could stretch the back line and they just didn't for whatever reason. So I think what's really going on is just you, you see this when teams start to lose and they don't have they, they have plenty of leaders on this team. But without Nagby and Zellerayon, two guys you absolutely turn to to dig out of tough moments, it, it's almost like they're thinking too much. And when they were really good early on, they weren't doing that. They were moving the ball really quickly, able to go through them. And, and I'm just not seeing that right now. Uh, I'm going to have what? to slide side closer to, to Kyle on this one. Um they they started uh, uh, Botang and Diaz on the wings, and um, uh, those were uh, th- that speed on the on the flanks uh, against uh, what is a, a notoriously compact defense. And um, you know, among the first players, they, both wings were ultimately subbed out in, in short order. Um, Botang at the half, and and uh, Diaz at the 59th minute, and so. That, to me, was was a problem, and the coach saw it as well. I would like to add, before we move on from this, the, the, the substitutions that, uh, you know, the, the Alash and Artur combination didn't didn't work, and, of course, Alash was also, also came out in the 59th minute. That was a strange thing. Artur seems to be lost without, uh, without Nagby with him in the middle. But I will say that, uh, and, and gentlemen, uh, I invite your comments, too, that, uh, you know, the only, they didn't have any energy at all until, you know, the 18-year-old Aiden Morris came into the game in the 59th. And that, to me, was was a shame, the contrast that uh, this team, lifeless in a rivalry game um, and needing, a, a you know, a, a, develop, a, a kid from, from their system to come up and, and show them how to, how to actually play with a little grit and effort. Yeah, I mean, you wrote that in your column, and I think you you really hit it there. It, and, and credit to Aiden, he's played very well in, in the time that he's gotten. Uh, but but it should not have to come to that point, especially as Kyle mentioned and we just talked about against a team that had six starters out with injury. Certainly the crew were missing some, but they say, and I think all of us would agree, fans too, that cannot be a crutch for this team. They have to find some type of way to motivate themselves. And I thought you get to half level that they didn't have a shot until Santos PK. It was just a disastrous half offensively. You get to that half, you can say, okay, everything's level now. Let's forget about that and get to the brand of soccer that the crew has been good at. And four minutes in, they give up a set piece goal. That to me is just a total lack of if you want to say effort, you can t- certainly say that. And I think you would be validated in just not being in the game mentally. Well, you know, after 
the crew gained no momentum off the off the kick, obviously, and Cincinnati just carried their momentum forward, which is an, an interesting wrinkle as well. Kyle, where's the defense? This is a team that had nine shutouts in, in 12 games, and you know they've given up at least two goals in each of the last four games, uh, including three against Toronto and Hartford, which was another pretty ugly affair. But where is the defense? That's one element I, I don't really understand. You can't uh, explain that away with guys out of the lineup. Yeah, you are correct. The you know, but there's one thing. If you look at the last three games, they've given up six goals, and three of the six have been on PKs. And then one, the first goal in on um, the Montreal game was just a weird kind of a foul, no foul. Like you know, they were going to review it, then not. So that was kind of bizarre. But you know, if you look, you know, the the set piece goal from Cincinnati was a, a well executed goal, and then the other one in Dallas. So I mean, you have four of the six goals are either PK or something kind of weird, you know, kind of happening. So you can kind of look at that and say, hey, it's just things aren't going, you know, their way. But I think teams are kind of figuring out what the crew are doing back there and and kind of figuring out a game plan and how to attack them the right way. Jacob, questions, comments? You talk about that Montreal game and the the weird first goal. By that point, I would say it could have easily been 3-0 Montreal. Jonathan Mensa was the leader I would say, and if we're looking at across the league, uh, as a candidate for MLS Defender of the Year, and I'm not so sure in the past three games he's even been a top half center back in this league. Certainly not saying he can't do that again, and I don't really know how to describe the dip in form defensively, but teams have really much easier than it had been been able to find the crew back line and have these scoring opportunities. A lot of that, I think, against Cincinnati early on, you saw, and they didn't create a ton. I'm not going to give them a ton of credit offensively, Cincinnati, but early on, you saw the crew would turn the ball a lot over in the in the midfield, which then allowed Cincinnati to kind of get out on the counter a little bit. So there are a lot of elements there that I think you can pin as to why the defense hasn't been as good as they have been. And I mean, the thing that sticks out the most is 12 games. They had allowed four goals. And in the past five, they've allowed 10. So clearly things need to be solved and not saying they can't be. But it's more than just a pattern right now. It's It's been a bit of regression. Jacob, I mean, uh, uh, Kyle, is it me or does it seem like they're picking on the right side, especially when Abubakar is over there? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he is, you know, one of the younger, you know, you know, one of the homegrowns and one of the younger guys. But I mean, if 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 you're going to pick on somebody, you know, you want to probably, you know, he's the guy you want to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think they they all have been struggling the back line. I mean, they're they're just the wings aren't getting. Or sorry, the the left back and right back, Milton and Awful aren't. You know, they're getting up into attack, but they're not getting the balls in. So then, you know, so I think that had maybe has something to do that they're not trying to. You know, they're not doing their part on the offensive end, which you know sometimes if you're if one if one part of your game is not working, it kind of maybe leaks into uh, you know another part of your game. So I don't know. I got to figure it out though. It's uh it's definitely been been weird. <laughs> Milton well, I, certainly hasn't been as good defensively as I think I expected, and I'm not sure how much of that is is the knee injury because let's be honest, those injuries kind of do take over a year to really come back. So that's another factor I think in this. But overall, Kyle, as you said. Uh, when they are forward, and we've seen it at times with Awful and more with Valenzuela, when that when they're able to kind of combine with with the wingers and then a little cutback pass across the box, that has worked really well, and they need to get back to that. Well, where once the crew was uh, nine one and three, 
uh, with 22-4 and 5 against. Now they stand 9-4 and 4 with 27-4 and 14 against. You know, where once they did lead the league in differential, they're now, uh, they're still, I mean, plus 13 is, is still a really good number at this point. Uh, and I, I guess the good news is that uh, to this point, despite them kind of sliding off the face of the earth at, at this juncture of the season, uh, they've only slid into third place. Uh, they played 17 games, as I said, 9 4 and 4, 31 points. Um, they're behind Philadelphia with 35 points. Um, uh, Philly has uh, is 10, 3, and 5, and, and uh, at the top of the division is Toronto FC, 18 games played, unlike the Crews, 17, 11, 2, and 5, uh, plus 12, uh, 38 points. That's that, that at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. And uh, the crew is, is holding off Orlando at this point on uh, goal differential. So Orlando's breathing down their neck and from fourth place. And, you know, and I got the sense that when that game was canceled, uh, a lot of fans probably breathed easy. Um, okay, we're not playing at Orlando, they said, and that that didn't feel good. And, and now they can take the weekend to rest and then and then go down to Cincinnati and take care of business. Let's get to the injuries, Jacob. What is the injury report? I think that's uh, something folks want to know. I certainly do. Yeah, Darlington Nagby is a little ahead of Zellerayon right now. Uh, that's what Caleb Porter said after the game. Still looks to be about another week or two. Neil Sika said during the broadcast that they would like to have Nagby back for Sunday against New York City FC. If he is able to play, I'm not sure how much time he, he would actually get in because obviously it takes some time to build, but build back that 90-minute fitness. Aloy Room. Still little unknown about him. I thought he would be back by this time, but I don't think that one, he will be out as long. So I would expect Nagby, if not back Sunday, maybe the week after against Houston, and then room to be back before Zellerayon. But as far as I know, and it sounds like all the players will return before the end of that season. And, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining, if you're a crew fan, they could all come back at the right time and you start to gain that confidence going into the postseason. Well, Kyle, this is a team that has, uh, under the previous administration, um, certainly peaked at the right time um, and generally speaking, uh, headed toward the playoffs with momentum. Um, that is not the case right now. Um, well, but it could it could be the case. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on on um, their ability to rebound at this point? Well, it doesn't look very good right now. Yeah, I mean, I think Jacob, you know, nailed it right on the head. I mean, uh, you know, you think they would probably, you know, do a lot better when their main guys come back. Um, you, like you also said, you know, there could be some chemistry, you know, guys could be playing well or not playing well. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about it, you know, the, when healthy, they're, they're, they've been very deep. Uh, they have scored a lot of goals when things are clicking. Uh, and then the defense is also, been, you know, was playing very well. So if you can combine all that kind of stuff and, but the, I think the key is, you know, they need to get, get this kind of figured out quickly because I think, you know, they need to bank some more points because I think they need to play the first couple games at home if they can, because obviously their their home record compared to their road record uh, is significant. And, you know, I, I think, you know, they will they, they play better at home. I mean, uh, which is a, which is the case a lot of times uh, in MLS soccer in the home field, especially this year. 
uh, when you don't even have any fans. So, um, so who knows? Who knows? That's 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 some uh, that's some fine analysis. Who knows? Uh, you got it right from from the from the striker folks. Jacob, um, who is Christian Nemeth, and and uh, when might he be expected in town? Yeah, Christian Nemeth played for New England and Kansas City in his MLS career. Uh, I, I personally like the addition. You bring in a guy who obviously has MLS experience and Caleb Porter multiple times. That's what they're kind of looking for is a guy to really come in and, and be a depth piece of sorts, especially when they, at least before the recent run of form, had had really good chemistry on the field. But Fernando Adi has certainly not been what they envision as a backup striker be. He's pretty much been invisible every time he's been out there. So I think this is a guy, Namath, who can, can add a little more of a dynamic element off the bench when you need to bring him in for Jossie Zardes at the end of the games or play him both up top. He has been training just recently, so I'm not quite sure when he might be first available, but it, I would assume now that he's in training that it could be rather soon. Was it a visa issue, and is that settled? Yeah, so he was in what what country? He's a Hungarian international, and he had just been in in Europe. So I, I, it was an issue with getting the visa and then coming over here. But it seems like that has been solved, and you know he'll, he'll get into the lineup when whenever they need to. He was a free transfer, which is another positive for the crew. Um, so that, that's all I have on that that subject. Were the crew linked to him before his name kind of rings a bell? Did they at one time trade his rights some to somebody a couple years ago, A-Race at all? I, I don't recall that. Uh, you're our expert on that one, Kyle. Yeah, no, Kyle's right. So Namath, I just looked it up, was in Slovakia. He hardly played and then was a free transfer before the crew picked him up. The crew acquired him as the number one player in the allocation ranking and then oh. traded him almost immediately to New England. That was 2017, I believe. It might have been 2018. I believe it was 2017. Okay. Um, there are uh, six games remaining, five we know of. Um, Sunday, home against New York City, um, and then the Saturday following October 24th at Houston, and then the Wednesday following that, October 28th at D.C., and then two home games, November 1st and the 8th, uh, Philadelphia, and uh, wrapping up with Atlanta at the Moffray Stadium. Um, Jacob, any sense of where they're going to fit the Orlando postponed game into that schedule? There are two options right now. One would be this coming Wednesday between the New York City and the game against Houston. And then in the final week before decision day, Around November 4th, the crew have a week between the Philadelphia and Atlanta home games. So both the crew in Orlando have those midweek spots open. That seems like the most logical step in, in rescheduling. But obviously, there are some other games that need to be rescheduled, too. I wonder if maybe they kind of put all of those on one day after the end of the year. So decision day wouldn't really be a decision day. And who knows what's going to happen with Colorado since they've had I believe four or five, maybe more games than that postponed because of COVID tests. And you had brought it up, Mike, a little bit ago. I, I have checked with sources as far as I knew. 
as of the game, the crew had not had any players test positive. And based on the how often they're testing and how many they have cleared, everyone's cleared four, staff has cleared five tests negative. I believe that no one else uh, will contract the virus from those two who tested positive. Just based on what we know about the uh, time it takes for someone to be infectious and uh, how often you test certainly plays a factor in that. So, Kyle, they're winless in four. It was an epic loss in Cincinnati. Their first MLS loss to to the FC Cincinnati's. Uh, and obviously, we all remember the first loss, which was in a U.S. Open Cup game down there that uh, that did fire up the folks <laughs> in, in Cincinnati in a in a packed stadium. Uh, remember those? Yeah. Um, uh, they're they're on this uh, awful jag, and, and and their mo Kyle seems to be that, and even Cincinnati, Cincinnati wasn't scared of them at all, um, and uh, part of their the reason for that is is uh, no Nagby, no Zella Ryan, this team is beatable. That's been borne out, um, even drummable as as we've seen in a couple three of these games. Um, looking at their schedule down the stretch, Kyle, now. It could be the bromide is getting those two midfielders back, but if if they don't, I mean at, at DCU that's just, uh, you know they're they're going really bad. They're just a mess right now. But that's a pretty tough slate of games coming down the stretch, and and you throw Orlando in there too. Um, uh, I think, gentlemen, what I'm getting at is they better find something quickly here because this has started the snowball and. Uh, uh, there's there's no patches here coming coming down the stretch. It, it could snowball even more, Kyle. Yeah, I mean that's why uh, you know I think Porter early on, you know, especially in the, the MLS back tournament, was so um, so happy that they went three and zero in their group play to to get those nine points. So you know I think they've banked a lot of points to begin with, and so they can kind of built in a little slide. But like you said, they definitely need to turn it around, and I think they need to play a lot better even before um, the injured guys kind of get back because you don't want to put all your hope and, you know, you know, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll start playing better when the injured guys get back in. So, it's you know, in sports, it's not always that easy. So, And lastly, Jacob, to that end, what, what has Porter been saying? Um, and uh, how does it uh, sit in your ear? Yeah, I expected a little, I, I guess, not what – we got after the game, which was him completely taking credit for the loss and, and just being completely honest that this is not where they expect it to be. And the bar he set for this team because of how they played too, what was so high and he's still holding them to that standard. So I, I think that that's what you want out of uh, your head coach. If you're a crew fan now, he he's been blatantly, that their best players that have been in the lineup are not playing well. You mentioned Artur, who hasn't made, I think, much of an impact at all since since Nagby's been out. Santos has scored, but he has not been that chance creator the last couple games, especially against Cincinnati. They need to find a way to get Jossie Zardes the ball as well, uh, whether you want to say that's on Zardes or on wingers outside backs. To me, matter just get him the ball and he, he shows he can score with just a, a couple chances but you know i think caleb porter was extremely honest in saying that 
know, he has to look at himself, what to do better. Also, he has to find out how to get guys to play their best. And and that's exactly what they have to do until they get some of their best players back. Uh, He said that he doesn't think there's much of a dip in confidence with the group or, or I could say the belief that they can win. But in terms of playing, there might be a little bit of a confidence dip. I actually found Josh Williams to be the most compelling after the game and his reflection on what has happened in the past couple of weeks. He, he said, I can't put my finger on it right now, but there's a bit of a lull. There's a bit of a rut. And I think this is where we're truly tested. So I guess right now the crew need to find out if they're test this test, they have a great opportunity against a good New York city team. They need to stop the bleeding somehow. And I think after that, you're just looking to apply a tourniquet as you move forward. Well, they weren't ready to play Wednesday. And that's that's not a good comment on, on a team going into a rivalry game like that. All right. You guys got anything else you, you want to add? Before yeah, we get I was, here? yeah. I just wanted to add, do you think some of the, you know, when, when you said Josh is, you know, he said there was a rut. And do you think that because Porter is subbing out guys so quickly and kind of try, trying to find what works that they're not trying to figure it out on their own, that they're not playing through their rut or their, their mistakes and trying to figure out that they're getting subbed out early and they kind of haven't got that chemistry going. Do you think it has anything to do with maybe making too many subs too fast? That's a good question. I, I think it's at least just watching that first half. As Mike said, they made a sub at halftime and the wingers went out quickly. They also, Even, subbed, in, they also subbed in Josh Williams at halftime too. They, yeah. they took a Bubakar out. So, I mean, to me, and sorry to cut you off, Jacob, to me, the problems were identified by halftime and heading into this into the second half because he made exactly the substitutions that any normal person watching that game would have made. But anyway, please, Jacob, continue. That That's exactly what I was going to say, Mike. I don't think it was an overreaction or anything. He just determined what he saw wasn't good enough and they needed to make a change. All right. Well, that's it for uh, this edition of the Soccer Speakeasy podcast. Yes, I got one more thing to oh, add. He's Mike. got one more. He's Columbo. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have uh, any dogs with me for, for shows. But I, I wrote quite a few stories around the one-year anniversary of Groundbreaking, one that kind of goes through what has happened in the in the year since. I also reported newly that the Haslam's and the ownership group has added $13.9 million in stadium funding. So that is up to $313.9 million. Uh, but there, I worked really um, hard throughout the week on those and I appreciate if people kind of checked those out, looked at uh, the p- director of player personnel, Issa Tall and his influence on the training facility and what just goes into a world-class facility. So uh, check those out. Those, those can be found on uh, dispatch.com. Kyle, would you recommend those? Well, yeah, I, I took the ESA photo. <laughs> so it's a prize winner. Yeah. Patrick Flair, do you have anything to add here? No, he's he not the best color man I, in the business. I don't think he's listening anymore. He's just hitting buttons. No, 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 no. Nothing to add. This, okay. This is a fantastic show. That's uh, overstated, but uh, we'll accept the compliment. So today, on Friday, the 16th of October, this is the Speakeasy. We're, we're going to join you again soon for the pod father patrick flaherty and jacob myers and kyle robertson i'm mike a race thanks for joining us and um, check out all of jacob's fine work at dispatch.com peace everybody we'll talk to you next. kick us out of here patrick <laughs>